Good to be together. Uh, we're going to be looking into God's Word, into 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, you'll pay, find it on page 1148, 114748 of the Bibles nearby if you want to follow them. Great. Okay, so let's have a look into 1 Corinthians chapter 6 then. Um, if you're new today, uh, just to let you know that we, in this church, we, we kind of go through various parts of the Bible on a systematic basis. Uh, we've been looking at the letter, the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament for a while now. Um, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks break from it uh, next week and the week after, and then we'll be back in 1 Corinthians again um, up towards Christmas, and, and, and then after that we'll, we'll, we'll continue the new year. Uh, this uh, letter that we have in the New Testament, as you probably know, was written by the Apostle Paul to a church, uh, a community of God's people in Corinth. It's in the early days of Christianity, possibly one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote. We're talking about the, the 50s AD. Um, and as we've seen, as we've looked into it, uh, Paul, as he writes to this church that he was involved in, in leading and starting, he's really concerned about their growth, about their spiritual health. We've called the whole series Grow Up, because partly what Paul is trying to get them to, to do in writing to them is say, come on guys, you know, grow up a bit, you, know, you, you should be moving on, you should be um, getting to know Jesus better. The problem was, as we've seen, that their, their culture, the, the way of thinking in the city in which they lived, in the, it was a, a Roman colony, it was very committed to uh, pagan ways, the small uh, group of believers were a very tiny uh, minority in that culture. And as, as time has gone on, uh, that culture has been pushing them away from Jesus. And, and Paul writes this letter to try and bring them back. And, you know, there's lots to learn from what Paul has to say, what the Bible has to say here. Because, you know, our culture can shape us too, can't it? You know, without realizing, we can find ourselves taking on the attitudes and the mindsets and just the way of thinking of the culture around us uh, in the West at this time. And in many ways, our cultural place is not that unlike uh, where they were in the New Testament world. And last week, uh, we saw, as we looked at it, as Louise uh, uh, took us through the first part of chapter 6, we saw that really they were behaving just like the people around them. You know, we've seen that there were divisions in the church about various issues, but they were even taking one another to court, we read last week. And it could have just been about arguments, it could also have been about the fact that you know, some of, some, some of them were really wealthy, not many of them, but some of them were. Some of them were, had very high status. Again, probably not that many in the church, but some. Because we read later on that there were problems when they came for communion between the rich people and the poor people. So there, there's this issue uh, behind a lot of what's going on, and we'll see this in this passage as well, where people were able to use their wealth and their status against one another. So, you know, if you could afford to take your Christian brother or sister to court, well, you might as well, you know, get it. Uh, and Paul says, no, guys, you shouldn't be doing that. He tells them that, look, you, you guys, you, you're a community. Do you realize that you're destined to be sharing uh, with God in the government of the universe one day, he says. Why on earth are you behaving like that? And the message, as we saw last week, and, and again and again we get it through Corinthians, and in all of Paul's writing, 
He's saying to them, look, be what you are. You know, you are something in God. Well, behave that way. You don't have to be like this, says Paul. You can be different. Jesus has made you different, so act like it. Sort out this stuff between you. You can do it. And he tells them that the, that the kingdom of God, the place where Jesus rules, their lives is ruled by Jesus, their community uh, uh, under the, the, the kind of leadership of Jesus Christ is to be different. It has a clear boundary. Tom Wright, in his great little book, Paul for Everyone and 1 Corinthians, I recommend it to you. He, he talks about, you know, you go to Alton Towers, well, let's go, let's get nearer. Alton Towers was near where I used to live. What's the nearest place? Thorpe Park, is it? Or where was that place? Pol- Poltons? Anyone went to Poltons? Anyway, you go to go to these places, uh, to the theme park where there's a ride, and, you know, you, you, you're there with your young kids, and you want to go on the... A squirrel nutkin ride with them. I remember that when our children were very young. Uh, but unfortunately, there's a kind of archway, <laughs> and if you're above it, you can't go on the ride. You know, no amount of limbo dancing or whatever will kind of get you onto the ride. And Paul is saying the, the kingdom of God has a very clear boundary. There are certain things, there are certain kind of lifestyles that are out. And no amount of kind of emotional or spiritual or intellectual limbo dancing is going to change that fact. And we read about that in verse 9, and we're going, to, we're going to just pick up for context from verse 9. So here's the boundaries. Paul says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, and a lot of this stuff is about sex and our sexual behavior, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor... Pardon me, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And uh, as Lou uh, took us through this last week, I do encourage you, if you weren't here, to either listen online or pick up a CD. Paul says, look, this this kind of stuff is out for you. It's it's not right in the kingdom of God. It doesn't belong there. But he goes on to say (coughs) to them, look, that is what you were. (laughs) That's not what you are. He's saying that something has happened. You've been changed. You're not there now. You're in the kingdom of God. So he says, because you're in the kingdom of God, because God has done these amazing things for you, and there are these three fantastic words coming up. He says, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been put on one side for God's glory. You've been justified. It's as if you've been given a, a not guilty verdict by God for everything you've ever done. That's all happened to you, so says Paul to them. These are great. This is true. Who's done it? The Lord Jesus has done it by the Holy Spirit of our God. See, the Trinity creeps in there. See that in that passage, that verse? Paul says, God's done that. So, for goodness sake, he's just saying to him, live it. Christ is at work in your life, so live it out. Leave those old ways of behaving behind you as you move on with Jesus. But some of the Corinthians weren't finding it that easy. They didn't really want to go this way. Uh, they didn't want to take this way of purity, as Paul puts it. They would have said to Paul, look, come on, Paul, I, 
What's all the fuss about? And let's read what they're saying in chapter 6, verse 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. You see, the Corinthians were saying, look, why should I be different? And these two phrases in inverted commas in the uh, NIV that we've got, some translations actually put in, they say, you say, because it's very clear that Paul is, is quoting things that the Corinthians themselves would be saying to him had they been sitting there dialoguing with him at the time. They're saying, they're saying, well, why should we be different? And, and they say, first of all, they, there's this quotation, everything is permissible for me. It's okay, Paul, relax. What's the fuss about? Look, I'm free to do whatever I like. It's none of your business what I do with my life. They say, it doesn't matter, we're not bound. And some of them in, in Roman Corinth belong to certain elites, as I said, and there's some research being done on it. And some of those people were exempt from some laws, really because of their, their power and their status and the fact that they could afford to be. There were other things in Roman law we can talk about um, next Sunday evening, if you want, that, that, that demonstrate that too. So it could be that some were saying that. Others might be saying, yeah, Paul, great, well, I'm washed, I've been justified, I've been sanctified, that's okay, so I'm free to do whatever I like. Everything's fine, it's cool. What's the problem, Paul? Others may be believing, look, Paul, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual now. My body doesn't matter, whatever it is. There were people in the Corinthian community who were saying, yeah, Paul, yeah, but why should I be different? It's okay. I can do what I like. I'm a Christian, I'm free. I don't have to keep these rules. What's Paul's answer? What's the Bible's answer to that? Maybe some people we know, maybe you sometimes feel like that. Well, I'm free, I've been forgiven, I can do what, what, whatever I like. It's not a problem. Well, Paul says here, doesn't he, in these verses, I may be free to do what I like, but that doesn't mean that I do whatever I like. He says, as we consider what we do, other things come into consideration about how we should behave as a Christian. Paul says, yeah, I can do whatever I like, but listen, hey, everything is not helpful. Not everything is helpful for me to do. And actually, he's going to unpack that later on. He also says, look there in verse uh, 12, it's a kind of pun, uh, a word play in the original. He says, but I will not be mastered by anything. Sure, I can do what I like, but I realize that some of the things I might do can have an effect of kind of getting control of me. And so I'm not going to do those things. That's what Paul is saying. What I do can actually change me. It can overpower me. It can start to rewiring my emotional and, and, and kind of spiritual life. So Paul is saying, yeah, yeah, you can say it's okay. I'm free to do what I like. Paul's saying, well, no, it isn't okay. You still need to make decisions about your behavior. Is it helpful? Is it going to end up controlling you? That's the question. But there, some of them were saying something else as well. Do uh, notice these are in inverted commas. I don't want you to go away and say these were the points that I'm making um, <laughs> as we go away. The other thing they were saying is pretty much what people are saying today. 
Paul, it's okay. What's the fuss about? It, it's just sex, really. And that's this quotation, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And then Paul goes on to say, look, I know we're not talking about food here. We're talking about other bodily kind of functions. So they were saying, well, it's just a meaningless experience. It's like eating or it's like doing other bodily things. It's nothing. It's just the body. Hey, Paul, relax. It's all right. Maybe some of us feel that about our sexual behavior. What are you getting all worked up about? Why is the Bible so annoyingly restrictive? You know, it's only, it's only what I do with my body. What's that got to do with my spiritual life? That's what the Corinthians were saying. And Paul says, no, it's not like that at all. He says, and this is where we really get into the heart of it, he says, uh, what you do with your body is not just like, your body's just not like a, a stomach, it's more than a stomach. You're not just a physical person, you're a, a whole person that involves the physical and goes on much more than that. And he introduces here, and you can see it in verse uh, 13, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. That's that word porneo, we had it up. It means any kind of, um, kind of sex outside of God's uh, kind of boundaries and, and kind of love, as it were. Anything, that's the word, we get the word pornography from it today. So he says the body's not meant for porneo. It's not meant for immorality. There's a purpose to being a physical human being. And being totally kind of sold on, on illicit sex is not that purpose. God's got something better in mind for us as bodily living people. God has something to do with it. Now, over the centuries then, there's been a lot of thought, hasn't there, about the relationship between the body and the soul. I remember my mum, actually, um, I, don't, I'm, I, I, say I don't know how old I was, but I do. I was 17. That's when my grandfather died very suddenly. And um, he, uh, my mum had never seen a dead body before, and uh, she went with her mum, my grandmother, to identify or try to, to support my grandmother. Uh, and I'm sure some of you have done that, and you've been there. I haven't personally, uh, as yet, but maybe one day it will come. But I remember my mum telling, telling me, she was very obviously nervous about it, and, and she said, and, and perhaps some of you have experienced as well, it was very difficult, she said, but when I saw my father, I just knew he wasn't there. It was just a body. He wasn't there. I think there's an urban myth, I'm getting, I mustn't get distracted now, that where, where people say that it's a, the body weighs a tiny, tiny amount after death and after, before it. I don't know, I think that's an urban myth. But, but this idea that, that, when, that what we're about as bodies, it, it, what we're about rather, is not simply a body, there's a soul or a spirit. I'm going to call soul, spirit the same thing in this little bit. What is is that bit of me, that bit of you that makes you you. That's what it's about. And there's been a big debate about that. And there are three options at least. Uh, there are probably more, but these are three that kind of come out of, of this thinking. The first option is lots of people would say, well, it's, we're only bodies, you know, Get over it. There's no such thing as a soul or a spirit. We're just bodies. And so, you know, because we're bodies, that's all there is to it. Now, that's not where we are as Christians, obviously, because we, we've had God kind of come to, to work in our lives and so on and so forth. But, but lots of people around would say, we're just, I'm just an animal. I'm no different from anyone else. When I've gone, I've gone. What I am, I don't know. Uh, it's just my brain. I'm just a physiological body. 
that's actually harder to live with consistently than you might think, but that's not necessarily uh, where most of us would be at. But then there's um, another alternative, which is that the soul is kind of imprisoned in the body. And with that is the idea that, that the body is not important. What matters most is the soul or the spirit. And that leads to two kind of reactions. The first reaction is what I might call, uh, with de- due deference to Channel 4, embarrassing bodies. Okay? Uh, and that means that, you know, because the body's not important, well, it, it's disgusting. I hate it, you know? And I become determined to be as spiritual as possible by avoiding bodily stuff of any kind, uh, treating it as if it's something God really doesn't like at all, that he, God, is somehow even more embarrassed about my body than I am. As an Englishman, anyway. <laughs> and especially we, we treat uh, sex in that way. So that's one kind of idea that the body's dirty, you know, you have to kind of treat it, you know, try and avoid it, etc., etc. And that can lead us to then saying, well, it doesn't matter what I do with my body then. Because it doesn't matter. It's disgusting anyway, and forget about it. You know. the, other, the other kind of approach is to say, well, it's irrelevant. My body's irrelevant. Because if it's all about the soul and, and spirit, if this, the body is simply a kind of prison for the soul, then as long as I'm all right spiritually, I can do what, whatever I want with my body. It doesn't make a jot of difference. It's okay. And then there's a third and a much more exciting alternative, and it's what Paul is talking about here in this passage It's what the Bible says right throughout it, from Genesis to Revelation. And that is that, that, as he says here, uh, the body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. That our bodies are of great interest to God, that he made us. He's for uh, bodily existence, if you like. Jesus, when he came into the world, when God comes into the world, he takes a human form. He, he, he lives, uh, he is a human being. I was going to say he lives in a human body, but I don't that would be wrong. He is a human being, uh, body, emotions, spirit, everything. A whole man. So he's part of it, everything, including our bodies, everything, uh, our whole existence, including sex, is celebrated in Scripture. The, the Bible is full of stuff about how wonderful it can be to be a human being. And if you go to somewhere like the Song of Solomon, then you'll see a couple of people there who really know how to enjoy one another's bodies, all in, in poetry and in the best possible taste, of course. But, but that's what it's about, a married couple who are just lost in each other's love and the sexual expression of that love. Unashamedly, there it is, right? In the Old Testament, even the Old Testament of the Bible. And in the rest of these verses here in 1 Corinthians, we, we see what this means. We see how the Lord is for the body. And these kind of become reasons why Christians need to behave differently why the kingdom of God has that entry restriction, if you like. Or that why behaving like the way of everybody else around us is not on for us as people who have Jesus as our king. Paul has said in verse 9, don't be deceived. It's easy to be deceived and it's easy to deceive ourselves in this area. So we're going to carry on through the passage and we'll see these reasons for Jesus' people to be different. And there are three of them. We're going to go quite fast. Here's the first one. Our bodies have a great 
future. Read with me verse 13 and 14. Second half of verse 13. Uh, I'll read you follow. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord, that's Jesus, from the dead. And he will raise us also. That's very crucial. Jesus came into our world, as I said, in a body. And it was not just a temporary thing. You know, you, you mustn't get the idea that, you know, Jesus, after the resurrection, goes back to heaven and he's like, you're coming home from work and says, thank goodness, it's great to get out of these old clothes. No. Jesus' body is resurrected and he's still in a human body. And we will, Paul says, we, we are connected to Jesus and, 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 and one day our bodies will be raised too. And we will live in the future with God. By his power, our bodies will be raised. Our bodies are not irrelevant. We are not heading for a, quote, spiritual afterlife where we float around, you know, bodiless. We're heading for a bodily future with Jesus in a brand new universe. There may be a little bit of waiting around before that the resurrection happens, and lots of theologians will, will kind of debate about what, you know, how that works. But the basic thing we're looking forward to is a new bodily life with Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Paul is going to really get into big time in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So your body and my body is not just a casing. (laughs) It's going to be different one day, but there's continuity with what we are now and what we will be then, just as Jesus was recognizable to his disciples. He had scars, actually, in his hands and his feet and his side and so on. Now, his body did different things. It was a different way of living, but it was there's a continuity. So your body matters to God. What I do with my body now is important. That's why God touches our bodies now, which he does. He heals. Sometimes this future bodily life in God invades the present. Not always, but we ask God, and sometimes we know uh, why he does it sometimes and not other times is a mystery, but we still ask him for his healing. It's that touch of the, the future coming into the present. God is for our bodies in that sense. We need to get this in our heads. God is investing in our bodies. So we don't treat them as if they don't matter. They do matter. I don't know how you feel about your body, but you know, it's got a great future. And somehow what you do now connects with that then. Second thing Paul says, another reason for us to be different Let's read verses 15 to 17. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. That's in the Old Testament. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Our bodies are members of Christ, Paul says. Verse 15 and verse 17 make it very plain. If you've come to know God through Jesus, if he's your king, if he's my king, if he's my Lord, our bodies, the whole of us, are united with him. You know, the New Testament talks about a believer as being in Christ. 
kind of connected to Christ, at home with Christ, as it were? Well, that includes our bodies, every bit of our lives. It's not some kind of spiritual bit of our existence that, that loves Jesus and serves him. We, you know, just like we, we, we do, you know, we don't say, well, I'll serve Jesus, you know, with my mind or with my spirit. No, we do it with our bodies. Our whole bodies are involved, connected to Jesus Christ, according to Paul here. Our bodies, our emotions, every bit of me is involved in everything I do. And every part of me, says Paul, is connected to Jesus Christ if I'm a believer. And that will include my sexual behaviour. So if I go for sex with a prostitute, as it's translated here, actually it doesn't necessarily, I haven't got time to go into all the details because time is really getting me this morning. But, but the word doesn't necessarily mean what we mean, are you going to a brothel or whatever. It can also refer to what kind of went on, we're talking about, we can talk about this again next Sunday evening, at banquets. Banquets in Roman culture were, were big on food and they were pretty big on sex as well. Um, uh, so much so there's, there's writings about young men when they were allowed to wear uh, the toga of adulthood. They were able to go to these kind of parties, these dinners, and all kinds of stuff got, on, got going there. And this word, going with a prostitute, just could just be casual sex in that context. But whatever, Paul, whatever it's referring to, if I'm outside of God's purposes in my sexual behaviour, then it's like I'm bringing Jesus right into that too. And Paul says, never. You can't, you know, how can you be, be connected to Jesus Christ in your body and then, then do that with your body? He says, don't do it. Don't do it. Never be like that. Again, Paul is saying, be what you are. What you are in Jesus, reflect in your behaviour. And just in passing, and again, I'm going to have to rush Paul makes it pretty clear here, it seems to me, that there's no such thing as casual sex. He talks here, he says, uniting with a sexual partner, he actually says is like uniting with the Lord. He quotes from Genesis, the one flesh, two becoming one. See, it wasn't the Spice Girls that got that idea going. He's talking about a deep level beyond the physical activity. The word is glued together. And the Bible consistently, uh, uh, and Paul is quoting here from Genesis, is saying that sex is designed for that kind of union. Uh, And sex kind of pulls us in that direction because it's more than physical, it's more than, it's spiritual, there's an emotional, there's a gluing together at a very deep level. It's for that kind of union. And, And there is no true oneness at that deep level, a oneness in covenant or in commitment, if that isn't there, then one flesh togetherness, as it were, sex is not that helpful. doesn't mean it isn't fun, but what's going on is not just about fun, it's about something much deeper. And that's behind all sexual ethics in the Bible. So here's a reason to be different. Sex is about more than appetites. There's this spiritual aspect to it as well. So verse 18, Paul says, Run away, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So run away from immorality, Paul says. Be like Joseph in that story in the Old Testament. You know, when the, 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 the um, powerful 
beautiful woman tried to seduce Joseph, he ran. He, he got out. That's maybe what Paul is thinking of here. He's saying sex outside God's ways will have an effect on our inner life, our emotional health, our walk with God, our freedom. We think we're having freedom, but we can end up being mastered. Talk to anyone who can't shake pornography, and they'll tell you that that's true. It can be very difficult. Even sex with a fantasy person can kind of do something to you at an emotional, spiritual, mental level. I guess that's what it means in verse 18 when it talks about a sin against your body, your very self. But we need to move on because uh, I want us to get the third thing, a third reason. Our bodies are not just members of Christ, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 19. Do you know, do you not know rather, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought at a price, therefore honour God with our bo- your body. The Corinthians were used to temples, there were loads of them in their city, they were places where you know, they were dedicated to a deity, and they believed, the Corinthians believed that the deity kind of lived in the temple, every part of it was touched by the deity and, and vice versa. They've already heard in this book of 1 Corinthians that there to be, as a community, a place where God lives like God's temple. Now Paul says this to them. He says that each one of you individually is like a temple of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he says, God has given to you, who is in you, whom you have received from God. So Paul is saying to you, Corinthians, and to us too, every part of us, is indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. Every part of us, every part of our lives, every part of our body. No secret rooms where he's not present. We can't say, you know, like we can't say to Jesus, would you mind not coming with me tonight? Because, you know, I'll be a bit embarrassed about what I'm going to do if you were with me. And that we're connected to him. We can't say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you know, would you mind just not being part of this part of my life because I quite like to do something. No, we, we can't do that. Every part of us. And that's why we need to be clean, we need to be open, we need to be repentant and coming back to God. Because, as we shall see, there's renewal, there's forgiveness, there's fresh start available. As it was for the Corinthians, so it is for us too. How did that happen? How was it that they could become a temple? Where did this temple come from? It says here, it's been bought by God. God paid for it. Paul, that says there. You are not your own, you were bought at a price. That's the, the language of the slave market. Paul's saying, you know, your freedom has been paid for by Jesus, by God. He's saying, look, you now belong to God. You're his. Jesus has paid for you. How much are you worth? How much is your house worth if you've got a house? How much is your car worth if you've got a car? Where can I go? Students. How much is your iPod worth? <laughs> However, however much someone's prepared to pay for it, isn't it? How much are you worth as a person? How much is somebody prepared to pay? How much is God prepared to pay? The blood of his son. Don't think you're not valuable to God. We're worth so much to him. He's paid for us. Jesus has died for us. We belong to him. 
That's a good reason to be different, isn't it? So many, so many issues of, of sexual behaviour and other issues that come into our lives enter partly or connected with our, our value, our sense of personal value and self-worth. Get back to this. You're worth everything to God. He's paid for you. We'll celebrate that in a minute. So, as we finish, let's realise that we're not on our own. We're connected to Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us to help us live differently. We are immensely valuable. We're worth everything to God. You're worth it. You know, I hate that thing, you're worth it. You know that ad, but, but because you're worth it, you are worth it. Not so you can buy perfume, but, but so that you can belong to God because he's bought you if you're a believer. And if you're not, he still bought you and wants you to come to him and know his freedom and his forgiveness. We're worth too much to God to live unholy lives, aren't we? So God loves us as, as body people. And that's going to go on into the future, all of our lives, whether it's about sex or marriage or singleness, as we'll see in chapter 7, but but everything else that belongs to our bodily human existence, God wants to be part of. Our work, our play, our friendship, our eating, our drinking, our art, everything. He loves it. He loves it. And he wants us to live and to enjoy it all within his loving government. As we finish, have you noticed three, see those three points? You have a great future. Who's going to raise us? God, the Father. We are members of Christ, Jesus, the Son. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. All of God, Father, Son, Spirit. Involved in our lives. So Paul says, honour God with your body. Honour God. Glorify God with the whole of your humanity. It's a different way to live. Now, these are tough issues, I know, and um, some of you may want to talk and pray one-to-one. You may want to come down here afterwards and pray with somebody or or make an appointment if you want to meet with a woman. If you're a woman, we can, uh, someone can meet with you and have coffee and talk or whatever if you need to. So, talk it through. Don't forget verse 11. As Lou reminded us last week, the Corinthians, Paul says, that's what you were. They're not that now. We don't have to be like that anymore. You know, we can all be at that point where we say that's what we were, but now we've been washed, sanctified, and justified. It doesn't have to be the same. Well, I've had to go a bit fast, and I've taken a long time, and I'm sorry about that. But if you want to talk in a bit more depth, or you think, well, hey, you're just not being realistic, come along next Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, and... And we'll have a bit of a kind of a debate, if you want, or a talk through. It's not going to be like a counselling session. You don't have to kind of <laughs> reveal anything at all, uh, unless you want to. Uh, but it's just a question, if you've got questions and you want to go deeper into these issues in thinking and praying and talking, it's an opportunity to do so. Let's bow our heads and pray as we move towards uh, communion. Father in heaven, we thank you for... Just the way that uh, this passage points to all that you've done for us and all that you kind of want to be, uh, Lord, for us in our lives. We thank you that our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we're connected to the Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that 
that it's your purpose, just as you've raised Jesus' body, to raise us too, to live with you and to just, in a, in a, in a renewed universe, Lord, just to know purpose and fulfilment and life beyond our, our wildest expectations. And Lord, we pray that we may live in our bodies honouring you. Lord, help us where we need to maybe say no to certain things, help us to put stuff right, help us just to, to have the, the confidence in you to begin to live and to, uh, be, uh, to live in a different way as we look to be the different people that you've made us in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.